0: Now, my idea of a great cook is the person who makes food that you cannot stop eating. And they do it day after day after day. Well, Seattle chef Tom Douglas is one of these people with 13 restaurants and bakeries in that city, a farm to back them up, a radio show, and cookbooks. You could call Tom the king of the food scene there. And to boot, the James Beard Foundation named him the 2012 Best Restaurateur in the United States. Well, Tom is our latest Key 3 pick. Now in Key 3, we get into the kitchens of the best chefs we know. It's a master class in the three recipes they each believe are essential to every cook. So when I got together with Tom, he had things set up at the stove. Now, Tom's big. He's tall with this mop of curly hair that's just kind of starting to gray. And he's always doing. He doesn't like to sit still. Yet, he's the first person you'd want to have over to sit down to dinner. You know, just to talk to him. Seattle, I don't know why You stand under the clouds expecting to stay right. can you see the day you ever win That battle is the day that take the rain of Seattle
1: Tom, it is so good to be with you again. And it's so good to be with one of my food heroes. Are you kidding me? This is a, always a pleasure to run into you.
0: I'm blushing. So, okay, first recipe of your key three. What is it?
1: One is mom's soup right we all grow up we all grow up with soup and uh, i think having the one that kind of transitions through mom and then through you to your kids is a great thing to have at your at your disposal so today i'm going to make a little tomato soup my mom's came out of campbell's can Uh uh-huh my tomatoes are now coming out of a can but not you know that's because it's not tomato season but so, I've transitioned just a little bit from a can of soup to a can of tomatoes and made it in the soup.
0: And you've got onions sauteing, it looks like a 6
1: I'm not trying to get them dark. I'm just kind of uh, wilting them. Right. I've just added some garlic. If you, know, if you add garlic and onions at the same time, your garlic's going to burn before right. your onions get melted, right. Right? right? So, I just added that at the last minute. A little um, chili flake, because I like a touch of burn on the back of my throat. Right. And um, I've added some salt, a little celery seed. Little, celery seed. A little black pepper, yeah. Ah. Uh, just because I'm trying to add a little roundness in the flavor. I don't want it to be completely one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And then, um, in tasting these tomatoes, they just need a touch of sugar, not very much. Okay. Uh, and so, in goes a tablespoon or two of sugar. And that you can always just test your tomatoes and find out what your sugar, sugar add is. You don't want sweet and sour tomato soup. That's not what we're going for. Right, we want a right. nice, balanced tomato soup. And these are whole peeled tomatoes. Yeah. That looked
0: like about one medium onion, just thin sliced, any old way. Any
1: old way. It doesn't matter, because we're going to use our immersion blender to to rock this thing up.
0: Do you have a particular brand of tomatoes that you like?
1: I don't. You know, with tomatoes, let's just say you shop here in Minneapolis at the Lunds or at the Kowalski's or something like that. Right. I would go in and I'd buy one of each of their tomato cans. What are they, two bucks a piece? Something like that. It might be a $10 investment to get their selection. Take them home, open them all up, and decide which one you like the best. You're a man because, after my own heart. Well, it's, it's a reasonable thing to do. Number yeah. one, you can just put them together and use them. If you, but at the end of the day, most of those tomatoes are canned at the end of the season. They are in that can for the year. It's not like in May you're going to get a different tomato than you got in February. Good right? point. Right, yeah, So they're exactly. ripe tomatoes, and they're canned uh, typically one time a year. And uh, uh, that, that gives you a way to taste and find your best tomato in your market. It's only $10 work, uh, effort, and it's fun. And then you can put them all together and make the soup. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay, so now this has got the two cans of tomatoes, and it has the onion that's sauteed and the seasonings. And what have you got here? You've got now, milk? Now, it's right? also
1: got a little oregano in there. And if you are reduced to dry herbs, then yep. I put the oregano in now and let that flavor kind of balance itself out. Right. If you have, by chance, fresh herbs in your garden, right, then I finish with the oregano. I don't want to cook out that, that beautiful floral aroma.
0: Ah, so dry herbs go in first with the saute, but the fresh ones go in at the at end. At the
1: finish, yeah.
0: For that brightness.
1: So um, I'm not making cream of tomato soup, but I'm adding a little bit of cream, and I like it for mouthfeel. To me, when you just eat a straight-up tomato soup without any cream, it's a little bit acidic on the tongue. Right. And the cream just knocks that back just a touch. And you, you can see it's not cream of tomato soup. No, it's it about a half a
0: cup of cream. Half a cup for you right. know,
1: almost what, 56 ounces of tomatoes. Right. We're going to bring our water over, and um, this is just for a... I'm not making stew, I'm making soup. Right. So if, you know, sometimes when your tomatoes are packed in cans, you'll see that they're. these are whole peeled tomatoes, this one has basil. It doesn't really say anything else there, but sometimes they're packed with water. Sometimes they're packed in a tomato concentrate. Right. So this tomato can would make a very different soup, and then you need to use the water to kind of thin it down from stew to soup. You know, it could be that we don't need anything, uh-huh. so um, let's just find out. Let's get our blender. Okay. So you've got an
0: immersion blender. Mm-hmm.
1: And if you don't have one of these, I used to think this was the most unneeded tool in your kitchen. People, you know, they ask that question, like, what's the most, your most favorite tool in the kitchen? What's your least favorite? And I used to say the immersion blender because people had given me plenty, plenty of them 20 years ago, and I never used it. It just sat in the corner. It's like, what do people need this for? So finally, my little French friend, Terry, he's a chef in Seattle. Terry wrote throughout The Chef in the Hat, came over one night, we were cooking dinner together, and he got out the immersion blender to make scrambled eggs. I didn't really, well, what are you scrambled. doing? And it just was this perfect kind of fluff that he liked in his eggs. And then he scrambled them up, put them back in the eggshell, and put caviar on top, you know. Right, and right. And then I thought, right. well, that's kind of interesting. And so I got it out, I used it a couple times now, I just love it. You could take this very same pot of soup and try and scoop it into a blender. Nice, right. Right, right. Hit it on, so you have the risk getting into the blender, you have the risk when you hit the on button in the blender, and then when you pour it out of getting burnt by hot soup. But where the immersion blender just goes in there. It just goes right into the pan. Well, that's it. So now we're going to check our thickness. And I wanted to come rolling off the... uh, I want it to come rolling off the spoon. I want, you know, think about this as soup and not stew. My wife has a big, big problem with making soup. She always ends up making stew. She puts too much stuff in for the amount of broth, right? Right, right, right. So I like a soup, right? So this one, I don't think it needs much water, maybe a tablespoon or two of water, just to kind of thin it out. And then, growing up in my house, I, um, my mom always made, put toast in the toaster, and we always had the cheapest white bread you could buy, like 10 loaves for a dollar or whatever right, that was. Right. And then put the oleo on top of the toast because we always bought oleo because it was cheaper than butter. Uh-huh. And, um, and she just made, and you know, cut those up into squares and dropped them on top of the soup. And that was your tomato soup. So I love that. We make our own bread in, in nice, big, rustic loaves. And then I take brown butter. And I just toss the croutons into the, you know, I make the croutons. And the brown butter
0: is just melting the butter just until it browns, Until it browns. Generally. Not black right.
1: and like Greek spaghetti kind of butter, but right. just browned. Right. Real aromatic. And then I just, I can, you can pop those in the oven. You can use them soft like this, or you can pop them in the oven and get them crisp, a nice crisp crouton to go with a crunchy with your smooth soup, right? I love those textural differences when I'm cooking. I'm always thinking about what's it going to be like on my tongue. Mm. And then I, I put those on. And if I'm really being extravagant, I'll actually make a grilled cheese sandwich. You know, we have a beautiful cheese company in Seattle called Beechers. And uh, I just put some beechers on the same bread, maybe some basil leaves uh-huh, or something like that. Uh, and make uh, it a grilled cheese sandwich, chop it up into little squares. And that's what I use for my dunkers. In oh, my that's soup. a great idea. Yeah. That's a so. great idea. So can I taste? Sure. There's a
0: spoon for you. Oh, I love the color. It's, it's a rich apricot
1: salmon. That's like, a, like I think a salmon apricot is a good combination there.
0: Holy jamoli, that's good.
1: I don't think everyone's, anyone's ever said that about my cooking before. It is can fa- I quote you? You can go me. I'm going to put that you on the bottom me. of the menu. You know, holy jamoli. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but really, the cream, you don't sense it's a cream soup. No. But you're right. The cream just smooths it all out. Yeah, it gives it a certain viscosity on your tongue. Yeah, and yeah. I'm going to put a crouton in my mouth. Okay. Okay.
1: To mm, get the full experience. The brown butter. These are, like I said, are soft, and they're not you know, roasted and toasted yet, but uh, uh, it is really a delicious combination. And that's what in our book, you know, that's what it's all about, is to kind of get back and making a little effort. Your family deserves it, your friends deserve it, and, and getting out, and if you want to watch, you know, American Idol, just do it in the kitchen, put a TV in the kitchen, but take some time to cook. Tom, this took 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Yeah. Whatever, and we were talking. If you were
0: just doing this, it would be seven or
1: eight. It could be a five or eight-minute soup, yeah. Right. Homemade. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. You'll
0: never say, Okay, so Tom, we've done this great tomato soup, but what are the other two of your key
1: three recipes? Well, I I gotta say, uh, a biscuit might be a good key recipe because, um, let's just say, you know, I'm a dude, so I, I, I'm always talking to you from a dude's perspective Uh and, um, you know, you've had a date, you've, maybe things worked out pretty well and you get up in the morning and, you know, you could have the awkward morning or you could get down in the kitchen and make this, what we call a serious biscuit because it's the base biscuit at our restaurant, serious biscuit. Uh, so we have two different biscuit recipes in the book. One's a, the serious biscuit is more of a Southern style. And the other one is done more of a malted biscuit. So I like the Southern style the best. And it's a vehicle for the best things like fried chicken and black pepper gravy, a fennel sausage with a little herb omelet on it. Smoked salmon. I mean, it's just a great biscuit. And I think that nothing says love. Like I want you to come back and have a second date than cooking for someone in the morning.
0: I have to say this was missing from my dating life. <laughs> and it could have changed the future. That's cuz you
1: probably got it up and did it all.
0: <laughs> I don't do morning, but that's no, another yeah, issue entirely. Yeah. But so the so let's walk through the biscuit, okay. the concept of it uh-huh. and how it's done.
1: Well, our biscuits are pretty much classic, you know. They're a little bit salty, so we always say in our biscuit at the end of the day, use unsalted butter when you put the butter on it. Right. But uh, there's just a, a, a like a AP flour. What's AP flour? All-purpose flour? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Oh, I know. You know know what that is. They're an all-purpose flour, and they are um, done with cold butter. And uh-huh. there's two kinds of ways to do the butter. They, you can, In one of our biscuits, you can grate the butter, and that's what we do in, in that one, because you take frozen butter and you put it on your grater and you grate it like cheese. Right. And then you don't have to do so much finger work when you're trying to get down to that cornmeal. That's a great idea. Uh, so we take all of our dry ingredients, mix them together with the whisk, and then put the butter in, ice cold butter, and then use a pastry blender for the southern biscuit.
0: And, and that's and that's it? Perfectly reasonable. And what is it, baking powder, baking soda, salt?
1: Exactly. And it's... Um, Lots of butter, (laughs) one and a half cups of butter to five cups of flour, Uh, a little bit of sugar, and um, and some buttermilk is our liquid. And um, buttermilk has that sass to it. You've got sass, right? You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It just has a little tang Uh that regular cream or half and half or milk doesn't have. And that's why we love buttermilk in most anything. Buttermilk sorbet is delicious, but it's just a great thing. And then we put them in the oven, we gently roll them out. I make biscuits into squares. So many people have round biscuit cutters at home. And then you have scraps. And you have scraps. you got to put them back together. They get tough, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you just use your knife or your your board cutter, you know, I always keep those uh, board scrapers around. Uh, and just boom, 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 make them into squares. And if they're not a perfect square, you know, you have a little round corner that's a triangle. Sexy. Well, so be it. It's, 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 you know, it's not all the same. And then, frankly, you just slather on the butter and some jam and you're done. Okay, so square biscuits, which is a
0: great idea mm-hmm. and easy to do.
1: Easy. No scraps. Right. Yeah. Um, The third recipe. The third essential. Well, I picked out, out of the Dahlia Bakery cookbook, a blackberry lemon thyme crostata. And that sounds all fancy and everything, but it's really just a simple rustic tart. When you're planning your dinner, uh, you don't start planning your dessert after the appetizer and after the entree. You plan it in accordance with the menu. A dessert is a fitting finish to a proper menu. And so it's just like when people say, oh, I'm too full from dinner. I don't have room for dessert or I don't want the calories of dessert. Well, you didn't plan very well because I planned a finish for your dinner. Mm -hmm. So when there's fresh fruit around, it's a simple way to show some effort to your guests and to your family of taking that and either making a crumb topping for a, a berry crisp or an apple crisp. Or my favorite is just little rustic tarts. And I keep... Rounds of pie dough, all rolled out, ready to go in the freezer. I pull them out. You just let them thaw enough so that they bend. You make a little fruit tart with uh, the fruit of the season. Uh, berries, strawberries, raspberries, plums, peaches, you name it. And a uh, little lemon zest, a little, I use fresh herbs, so a little chopped thyme in there. Uh, salt, pepper, a little cornstarch for thickener.
0: Great idea. And then
1: you just put a spoonful in the center of your your tart dough Roll up the edges in a real rustic way, organic way, uh-huh. and bake it off, and you're done.
0: So easy. So and they easy, look and it's great. And, and, and they're it, light.
1: They're light, and it, it's part of a fitting finish. It's part of a well thought out menu.
0: Tom, could you ever get away with using frozen fruit that you defrost and drain?
1: Absolutely. And it's, I look at it the same way. I don't know how much time we have to talk about this, but you're better off, in my mind, say, using frozen salmon that's been well frozen rather than trying to buy something that's farmed and not sustainable. Right. Same with frozen fruit. You're better off using a beautiful IQF or individually quick frozen fruit that many grocery stores have right now that are frozen right at the peak of the season than in the middle of winter buying something from Chile, being shipped thousands of miles north, and then you don't really know what you have. It's not particularly ripe and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you're much better off with the frozen product. Great idea. Yeah. Tom, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on The Splendid Table. See you.
0: Stand under the clouds, expecting to stay dry. Can't you see the day you ever win? That battle is the day they take the rain of Seattle. Key three chef Tom Douglas is the author of the Dahlia Bakery cookbook.